Hello again, and welcome to the Shaping Design Podcast, where we help you get better at design through stories, strategies, and tactics. I'm Mitchell Bernstein, as always. Uh, today, we have Rahul on the pod. Rahul is an awesome designer I've been following on Twitter for quite some time now. Uh, I've seen him grow from a couple followers to many, many followers, I believe 10,000 followers or something like that. Kind of crazy. We talk about how he actually did that, what you can do, maybe replicate some of that success. He shared his portfolio framework. Uh, we talk a little bit about uh, the motivation that he had to you know, muster up since he you know, got laid off, just like many of us did, and what he's been able to learn from those experiences. And we also talk about his venture into design uh, from being an accountant, which is a, it's a quite interesting story and uh, probably the most unusual that I've heard so far. So please stick around for that. And before we get into the whole thing, you need to do us one favor. Like and subscribe and follow wherever you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Every single bit helps, you know, helps other people find the podcast and it helps us know if you like what we're doing and then we'll continue to do it. And, you know, we're doing it all for free. So it would really be appreciative if you were able to help us out there. So it's that easy, super simple. And if you like it, uh, please let us know. So anyways, let's get into it. So, so, you, were, so you were saying before that... You live in a place where they banned alcohol. The whole state has no alcohol, but it it somehow is selling the most alcohol or, or what did selling, you say? Yeah. It's the same concept of, uh, so the, the reason why we don't never tell a kid that you can't have Because as a kid, the curiosity just goes through a roof and they want it now. And that's why you should never, like whenever you want your kid to move out of a toy, you should give them another toy. So their diversion, like the restriction gets somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing here. When uh, So the reason for that, I'll give you a reason for that is that the father of the nation, right, Mahatma Gandhi, was from Gujarat and he was against alcohol. So uh, hmm. the state blocked it, like banned it. And now it's illegally sold here and people still buy it. And there are tons of cases of like alcohol getting caught and getting destroyed out in there. But this is the reason. Because once you tell people that you can't have that, people just go crazy. And even the people who don't want to have it, now we'll try it. It's not available. It's exclusive, right? And you want a part of that club. So yeah, that is one thing. So I guess my only question to that would be, if you told someone something like like you said no, you absolutely like the answer is absolutely no. Is then the thought process? Oh, they said no. I'm gonna just try it anyways. Like no matter what it is, or is there like a limitation as to like why then you you should accept the no? It's similar as uh, reverse psychology, right? Which I've seen movies, shows, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Depends on how uh, how like a person's morals work. For some people, hmm. they are uh, like very uh, single rules, right? You say tell them one thing, they'll follow it to the nose, right? They like do it as soon as possible, like as much as possible to the rules. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the people who stand at a bank use and not cut someone those are the people who let people walk ahead if they're senior citizens and older people right those are people then there are people who are nice people but have this little bit of uh, fun in them but just randomly cut someone in bank right like they're like you know what this is not that bad we are not doing crime right so these are the stages of people here like humans who have different uh, understanding of good and bad 
for some people for example for me uh, if i cut you off at the line i would feel really bad and i'll say sorry i wouldn't know for example once i was uh, trying to get into in a plane and i was very late so i had to cut everyone on the line and just start running to get the boarding and i was feeling very ashamed that i that these people who came on time are waiting on time now are going to get 5 minutes late cause a guy didn't plan his timing right and now is jumping ahead of all of us right so that's for some people for some people that is just oh, okay i mean like you know this is how it happens so when you say no it depends on the what kind of person you're saying no to for example kids they are developing they are curious right so if you're telling them no they'll definitely try to do it because now it's about curiosity second it's about kids ego like you know what what is this like i want to check it out what is it right and that's why they'll do it same thing is as like as us uh, if you tell me rahul don't design this i will still try to do it might not share with you but i will still cause i will you know see what it is why they are saying no to this like the curiosity is always going to be there right so that is okay. oh, our dogs okay cuz I, i i guess in essence there's like a different maybe like where the line is drawn at the no i don't i don't know maybe i don't know but um we love alcohol in texas but we're not we're not allowed to buy on sunday yeah so that's it's weird like we can buy any day of the week but just not i think saturday or sunday one of those days um but anyways let's get on to design stuff cuz that's what this podcast is about and then we can get more into other stuff like that so uh welcome to the podcast uh really happy to have you uh my pronouncing name correct raul uh yeah the rahul rahul is yeah rahul there we go you're like uh yeah and that's when i knew that i was wrong <laughs> Okay. No worries. So, okay, so so I see you on Twitter. You follow me, I follow you. And I I love what you're posting. And I think it's number one really inspiring to me and encourages us to continue with this podcast and continuing with uh, we're doing a lot of framer stuff and web design whatever and want to help designers grow and get better at their craft. And that's what this podcast is about and that's what it's for. And I see a similar kind of mission that you have with your whole social media presence and I want to talk about a couple of things number 1 uh before we actually get into that let me pause and back up tell me about your background how did you get into design and what you're doing now and uh, any of the recent events that have occurred in your life that I think you've spoken about publicly already yeah so how I got into design the just a long story I'll show it. Keep it short. So you might not see in this good lighting, but I have darker skin, right? So in India, the colorism is there. People bully people who have darker skin, and I was getting bullied because of that. So uh, one of my friend introduced me to Photoshop, and he was like, "Rahul, you can edit your photos with this." And I was like, "This is very, like, yeah." Now I can on also that was the era of Facebook in India. So I think if, if Facebook was founded in two thousand four or something. and in india we started using it around 2014 or 15 13 i guess i started using it as a teenager right and obviously the biggest part was uploading pictures on facebook and like instagram everywhere so i started using photoshop to edit out my pictures and while doing that i went on youtube to search photoshop tutorial found illustrator and i found out what oh this is something called a logo which people use on their shops on their company so i learning that and slowly slowly that 
guided me getting into the whole uh, design side of things. I think that's a shorter version of it. And, wait, wait, pause, pause. Yeah. So you said you were you started off by taking photos of yourself and lightening your skin. Is that what you said? Yeah, not taking, but yeah, like yeah, like wow. taking my photos and lightening my skin. Yes. Wow. Really? Like did was was it like? Um, I guess what I would, I would say about that, that number number one, did it look realistic when you actually did that? But number two, were 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 you? Uh, I, I guess like when did you grow out of that? Like when did you realize that it's it's okay to be in your own skin? Yeah. So uh, obviously it didn't look very realistic because <laughs> you would see me in real life, you would see me in photos, and you know the big right. difference, right? But the issue was because of the standards. I was like, you know, this is how good looking means. Right? This is how handsome or a beautiful. This needs to be look like this, and that only this works like this. So it took me two years, uh, two years of my college, and in the last year of it, I kind of met uh, other people who were on the having like lighter skin, darker skin, mix of people, different shapes, everything, and I understood. You know what? It depends on what kind of people you're working with. There are people who have this ideology that you know that if you're perfect, then only you're beautiful. And there are people who understand that the skin is not the only part of your personality or uh, life which they are interested in, right? There are people who would just talk to you because you have a great personality and uh, humor-wise and everything. And I was like, I had a good body. I was in gym at that time, so I had a good body. But the skin was just bothering me because, again, uh, in India, the fair uh, lightning... Uh, uh, sorry, skin lightening creams have been pushing this agenda for the last 10-15 years. They would they show a, a, a female with a darker skin and then they would just show this ad of this cream which you'll use and just become fairer skin, right? So this just became wow. the whole uh, norm where we have been growing up watching you know, that on TV and feeling, you know what? We need to look more like this. But India is an exotic country, right? We ha- Normally we have brown people. That is the thing. But because of the movie stars and everything, people just believe that, okay, for to being uh, beautiful, you need to have light skin and you need to have lighter shades of color. Right? So I grew out of two years and uh, then, uh, yeah, then I like, just, that was the start for me. And yeah, I'm here. <laughs> wow. Okay. Th- that's the most unusual uh, and I think unique story I've heard of how someone got into design. I'm glad that it worked out in the end and I'm, I'm sad that it started that way, but I'm glad that it, you know, kind of it worked out for you in your benefit because you're an amazing designer. Like I'm looking at your stuff, like you're a really good designer and you're really good at promoting yourself online too. So like, like kudos to learning all that stuff early on. So like, okay, so, so now, so where are you at now? Oh, uh, currently I'm just doing independent work. Mm-hmm. So when I got into Web3, my plan was to, so the whole idea in my mind was that I'm already working in Web2 for eight years, right? And if I try to compete and make a name for myself in Web2, it's going to take me another 10, 20 years. Like I can't be Paul Rand, right? It's not possible anymore because the level of uh, designers available right now, it's very tough to become unique in that. Even if you have unique personality, then you would need to get into content creation, right? For example, Christo, Mike Agenda, you need to get into content creation to become unique as a designer. Or either you go through the whole agency route, where you join agency by agency, agency, then you do some bigger companies work and your name comes up in that, right? That was a web, web to route to becoming a name in the history, right? 
But then I was like, that is gonna, that's too way long. Too many variables. Uh, then I found Web3. And I was like, oh, this is something very interesting to me. I want to work on this. And uh, I started working with uh, Polygon, one of the biggest companies in Web3 at that. And after like a few months ago, I was laid off. And now I'm thinking of what I want to do. And I figured out, you know what? The biggest power I have is that I come from this place. Where, uh, so if I, if I tell you to think of designers, right? You'll think the whole aesthetic office, they are drinking coffee, working on mechanical keyboards and everything, right? But in India, the thing is that that is just 10% of the designers. The number is, again, uh, like uh, just a lump sum, but there is a designer in India who are doing that. Other designers who do create work still, works on their HP lab, drinks tea like me. <laughs> and, and they are not that fancy, not their aesthetic, because they are learning and growing. Uh, we don't have that many good design schools. When I say uh, we have design colleges, but they are very costly compared to everything like any other colleges. But if you see uh, courses and institutes, right, uh, uh, tuitions, they are not very nice design-wise, right? So we have online courses and everything. So people are learning from online. For example, I learn most of the stuff I know from Christo. Because I love feature the, follow the future channel and learn from them. Then YouTube, Will Peterson, everyone, right? So, because of that, now I figured out, you know what, I want to work on content, but in uh, Hindi, which is uh, Indian language, which I speak. Right? And I know that most of the people also speak here. So I want to learn and work in that. So I can reach those people and make them a designer. The reason is, like I before I became a designer, I had two jobs. Uh, like I changed two careers, right? I was like, I studied for being an accountant. I was an accountant for a year. Figured out it's not working out. Became a purchase manager in a real estate company. Did that for three years. Figured out that it's not working. And learned design and then got into design. So I, I know that there's so much talent uh, of talented designers in those jobs. Uh, disguised as those people, right? They are disguised as accountants. They are disguised as engineers. Who are amazing creative people. And their talent can be brought out just if they found the right material. So and I'm just doing freelance work to sustain myself. And other than that, just creating content. So YouTube, I've started. Uh, Instagram, I've started. But doing content, that is what I'm figuring out right now. You have grown your social media presence quite quickly, actually. I, I mean, from what I've seen, I don't, I don't know if it's true or not. Um, how did you get so popular? How, how did you get so many followers on, on Twitter um, from being a designer? Because uh, I got to design Twitter. <laughs> that's the easiest answer but uh, to uh, give it in more depth so I as I said I became a self designer right I was a self designer because of that I had to learn also how to get clients and because I've been following Christo and other designers on YouTube who praise building a personal brand or uh, sharing proof of work I started using Facebook to share my work and that I've been doing for the last 7-8 years but Facebook is not again you can have 5k people and it's not that uh, what I say Audience friendly, if you want to have large number, you need to create a page, which I feel just takes my personal personality out of it, right? Page becomes like a business. So I was more active in Facebook groups and I made friends there. And then last year when I joined Polygon and Web3, uh, no, sorry, not Web3, but uh, I joined a company in Delhi, which is a no-code design agency. Like you design, but for no-code tools, right? And so the founder of uh, that company is very uh, pro-product making. He's like, Rahul, if you want to uh, get into this no-code design, 
you need to make products yourself because only then you'll understand why people use no code right is without that you won't be able to feel their pain not knowing coding and getting into it i was like you know what yeah let's do that so he forced me to get on twitter and i launched my first uh, product called uh, doodly cons which are just icons but doodled mm-hmm. right so it, it they look good on wireframe right it took me an hour to do that and then i found out that okay i might not be a very good product designer i might not be a very good brand designer but i am a good marketing designer because mm-hmm. that's i've been doing with an agency in ahmedabad for first four years of my career and i know people there because i that's just what i worked on i worked on print i worked on online social media and everything and that icon pack which i made in an hour i kind of promoted it like it was one of my biggest project in my life because i felt like that and cuz mm-hmm. i felt like it people felt like that and it got a good response and i figured you know what yeah like if i talk to uh, talk about something with this grit people will feel that same uh, about that product so i then i joined few communities here and there and started building products and uh, the two bigger factors of my growth which i won't call growth cuz it was like an around a year so it is a good number uh, was one i was sharing everything which i was doing so generally before i, I joined twitter through the co-founder uh, founder of the no code as an agency i was very selective of what i was posting because i was making a resume of my profile like if a employer comes and see my profile he like you know what this guy he or she like, like this guy is perfect work 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 but then guy that that person told me the founder he was like rahul this is not you do you just do this in your whole life you know i also do these jokes i also feel bad for this i also rant sometimes he like put that whole personality on twitter cuz that's when people will connect to you cuz they'll get to know the real you again uh, people he was like your work would be amazing but there would always be someone who will do better work right but there won't be someone who's better rahul rahul will be the better rahul and that's why you need to focus on your personality and that's why if you see on my profile you'll see me posting picture of myself which you know people do because they're like this is a design account i want to put design as like no this is me you want to meet me in real life you should uh, check how i look you should see the jokes i do you should see the bad stuff i do and and that's why i started sharing my office journey or my design journey also the process of how i design stuff because you know like uh i so the reason for that was i think that there's a first part the second part was i started sharing progress i started sharing processes which not many people are sharing on online right because uh, if i go on youtube or twitter i follow tutorial i see this and then i just go to amazing graphics right amazing visuals i go to one page love godly website awards i see all these amazing websites but there's no one telling me how they were made made right and i can go to tutorial but they are very boring if i go to youtube and search for free tutorial i know it will be boring cause <clears throat> they'll remove every emotion out of it just keep it technical like you do this do this do this which is fine for people who's learning uh, who's learning it uh, for the first time but people who are already aware and want uh, to learn it while knowing the people it's not possible in doing that in those tutorials right <clears throat> so i started doing process on twitter like you see me building a table i'm building a table i'm posting about building a table i'm designing a website i'm posting about designing a website right because how else do you create content mm-hmm. this becomes like a normal thing so that i think was the reason why people many people connected uh, to me and still talk to me because they feel this guy comes uh, from where we they came from right like it's very similar to them they can relate to me right because they see me okay this guy just have a figma whiteboard and then he's creating step by step 
and now they know where this amazing graphic came from right so i think that those are the two bigger reason for my growth why, why do you think people enjoy process work because if you and i were to look at something i'm sure you have the same skills to do this you can understand how to break it down and how to recreate it if you took that screenshot and put it in photoshop or into sketch or figma you and i can definitely recreate that thing so it's not like technically impossible most time like sometimes it's like really hard but like some, most time it's not that difficult um you know a couple gradients couple squares there you go bada bing bada boom so what is the attraction to in your opinion to process work that people find attractive when trying to build a social media presence like they post that stuff and it does you're right it does absolutely get followers it does get people's attention but why so there will be two kind of people who will follow that process uh, person right or, or me so the one is who's already a designer right and the thing i think that's a human psychology thing that we find soothing when something is happening right so if i show you that okay this is the uh, i think I'll, the example would be recipes if you go on youtubes people who don't even cook watch recipes because they are seeing creation happening from here to here so it's not about if they can do it it's just about the beauty of it that okay it's just a long uh, like a few minutes ago this was just a potato now these are french fries right something different golden and amazing right so i think that that uh, uh how do I, what do i call it <laughs> that beauty people are attracted to the whole process of seeing how it works and that's why if you remember there was these videos which on covid on lockdown went crazy which were the house making videos in jungle right because people mm-hmm. are like how can that be possible that someone make a swimming pool in a jungle right and then people said like there were fake people who were doing those videos just for the youtube views because that's how we like seeing that uh, the same reason why factory uh machines or factory videos work a lot so people are like oh this is how my biscuit made right so first audience is uh who's the who's the, who are not designers but they want to see how designs are made and that's why i get good audience of non designers because they want to see how this is happening they might not do in their whole life but they still want to see it and then are the designers who enjoy seeing that process and i think this is come from that same human mind that we enjoyed seeing in the processes right uh, if i give you a time lapse video i'm sure that you will stay and watch it instead of a video of me talking right so that's why I, for fillers i use time lapse but it's so soothing to just see people move and do everything that's a great perspective on that i didn't think about that at first uh i want to switch gears a little bit to and if you're not comfortable talking about it we don't have to but i want to talk about briefly um or even in depth actually your challenges at polygon and the experience of being laid off because i also was laid off and the last guest from the podcast was also laid off and i think that this is something that resonates a lot with a lot of our listeners uh, and a lot of designers out there too because it's been more than just designers like you know many of the population uh it's not an easy thing to do to go through it's not an easy thing to be told goodbye and especially when you think you bring a lot of value to a company uh you're doing a lot of good work you're told you're you're a great employee you know you have you know this great income coming in with with the salary um it's hard to kind of 
readjust to leaving all of that behind or being told to to leave uh can you walk me through a little bit of your experience at polygon all the, all the good things and then kind of what happened at, at that point uh sure so if i start with the good things right so when i joined uh i was hired so polygon already owned a design agency they uh, acquired a design agency called cope and which they were working with so when i was hired they already had a design agency and the design head hired me to uh, innovate inside the agency the plan at that time was to make a design agency inside polygon right so I, my my job was to get there hire people make a design agency inside polygon which will work not under the control of uh, polygon uh, leaders but under the control of a design lead and then it will become a its own company like we have i think uh, there's this uh, netflix have their own design agency right where they run differently and they experiment a lot and everything so that was the goal was um, from india it was one of the biggest companies in blockchain and the design heads uh, goal was like there his mind this is what he want to do so when i joined i had full freedom right i was there i was working with every single different uh, department i was uh, talking to everyone figuring out their problems finding it and then the design had resigned after two months so the support i had just went away and uh, at that time also restructuring were happening in polygon and which uh, was like as a big company i knew that there's a process which happens every 6 month or a year if in blockchain is much faster in web2 is much slower and it's much faster so they were doing restructuring so i got into marketing design they were like you know what you want to ha- you have to lead the marketing branders and i was like you know what no worries i'll do that i got a good team and i was doing it for a, around a year and the good fun part was that generally uh, when i we think of web3 right you think about products how you make them and how people interact but designing a chain and designing a communication for a chain is very different cause you can't sell it to normal users you can't sell it to a user saying that okay this uh, use apps on this chain cause that app will have a different experience so you need to ch- uh, sell uh, figure out what you can sell uh, to the normal users right developers you still can easily sell because that's b2b whatever b2c how do we sell it to users they figure you know what we can sell the chief fees which we have we can sell the vibe which we have and we can sell the easy onboarding right so if you want to launch a product try on polygon it's cheaper like the worst case scenario you don't lose that much money right uh, on other chains it's a little bit uh, in long term it might be cheaper but if you want to just try once it's going to be costlier so many people just go with polygon so that gave me a good good uh, marketing uh, idea of usps and then we just started marketing it so that was an amazing time because i was working on video was different uh, things here and there graphics and everything uh, i was doing events for them because they didn't have much of a design talent in house that time right and uh, even with the one we have there were not many people who do talks and were good at speaking and what want to speak right so i was doing that so that was a good thing now coming to the layoff part i was aware that something like this might happen and i have already made my team aware so the reason for that is that as i told you that i'm a software designer i started freelancing before i got a job so i was freelancing uh, even before i got my first design uh, job and the reason for that was leverage if i have a freelance uh, career agency i can always tell my job that you know what, i don't want to do the job cause either you're not giving me good agreement either the work is not happening because i always have a backup to fall to 
right? And that's the same thing I told my designers or uh, my 3D artists and everyone in my team that you always want to make your online presence because you never you don't want to depend on someone else. That's not in your control, right? Make your own personal brand, figure out a way to expand that, and then then work, do the job. I'm not saying don't do it, but always have a backup because in the end, as a designers in today's time where everyone is a creator. you want to have that you want to have that brand so when the layoff happened uh, for the first few hours we all were just laughing because we didn't know what to do right we knew that okay the income source is going to go but we are like we can't do anything about it even if we cry nothing is going to change uh, i know the founders personally so i messaged one of them and because i was heartbroken like i was still laughing but i was heartbroken cause as you say that i'm a purple guy right and that became cause of polygon i got into that whole mindset and that's the curse of being a brand designer you always have to become that personality of your of the brand you're designing for right and i was hurt you know like you know you should have told me at least uh, but then i figured like uh, i knew the business side of things so as in gujarat is not only the liquor uh, banning uh, state it's also the most uh, business in out of states right so if you google the most richest businessmen half of them i think I think would be from Gujarat or Gujaratis, Rajasthan, right? So here we have a bit of a business mindset in Gujarat. So I've been seeing these things happening, not layoffs, but how businesses works from my childhood, like when I was a kid. So I was already aware why this happened, because I can see the business. I said I was an accountant, so I also understand numbers. I designed pitch decks, so I see profit and loss and everything. So when this happened, first moment I was heartbroken because I was like, you know what, this is like. <laughs> there was this comment on twitter which uh, i think like explain this very nicely because i was behaving like a heartbroken lover <laughs> like someone who is heartbroken i was like behaving like that and i was behaving that like for the first one day but then i talked to few of my friends who have been tech so i i come from agency background uh, never been into tech this was my first job in tech and first laid off so i talked to them and they are like oh, this is how companies work and in the fast paced uh, environment this will happen because they have to grow faster because of the investment money or the space and everything they'll have to make tough decisions and everything and i was aware of it but i was very heartbroken and i was bigger bigger like more heartbroken for my team because i felt like you know what now i have to find them a job and which you did by the way now all of them are working like or most of them i think 80% of people who were laid off found a job and now working in different companies in web3 itself uh people like me who are on the senior level are still figuring out what to do after 3 months but yeah now everything is fine and on track but at that time it was really heartbroken well i'm glad i had a good ending as, as well to that story too and i'm glad that everyone found a job and are okay cuz i know the other situation where it's still difficult for some people yeah. to to find jobs after being laid off but um can i talk a little bit about like the i guess the bounce back the resilience you had to uh getting back on your feet after feeling heartbroken cuz you know you you get into this kind of like you 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 said you were you're like laughing about it you're like you're like oh my god i can't believe this just happened and yet you're still heartbroken you're kind of like uh we just just describe like an ex lover uh who who can't get over you know, the ex whatever so like how did you reconcile that in your mind how did you like overcome those those emotions that like like what do you think how did you build that fortitude in your head uh so for that obviously breakup helps 
So if you had a lot of breakup, they help. <laughs> but <laughs> practice, but not a very good, yeah, but not a very good method for people <laughs> to try. But they help. And the second thing was uh, the same thing in breakup. You had to have good friends. So as soon as I laid off, my whole team and we just sat on Discord and just talking to everyone. And at that time, I think I was so I'm a parent also. I have a uh, one and a half year old kid. Uh, when I was talking to my team, I just went into parent mode. Right, my job at that time was not to figure out how I'm gonna react or what's happening to me. My uh, at that time, the instinct was how do I make these people feel okay? Because then my whole team was laid off. Like one of my team members just got married in Jan, and we uh, went to his wedding, and this happened. And I was very concerned about them because I like I was like I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll work out. I I don't have that much of issue. Because the biggest problem would be we won't make money, which we can survive. Uh, I can survive at least. I was not sure about him because he just had a good marriage and like marriages in India are expensive and everything. And I was so much, I just went into dad mode. I started uh, helping them out and helping them make portfolios. Started resuming, sending their resume here and there. Made a website for people to find them and everything. And when that, I think after two days, when that kind of slowed down and everyone was like, everyone became okay with the whole thing. Uh, I talked with some of my other friends who are in Web3 and who are in tech layoffs, who had like had layoffs before and work in tech. And they, uh, I think in the end, you just want to remind yourself that you are bigger than this. Yes, there are more better things you would have been done, you could do. And this is just a smaller part. And I have this theory, which uh, I use in my whole life when I talk to people is that if you want to have a good story, right, you need to have downs. Only then you can go up. And if you, it's just up and up and up, it won't make a good story. But people will be like, you know, this guy is flexing or this is not that fun of a story. You need to have downs also. And that, I thought this was this moment. But okay, now I have a good, very good opportunity to go up. Because now whatever I do will make a very good story. So, for example, let's say if I launch a product and it works, a leader of guy launches a product. Amazing headline, good story, right? Launch a font. A guy who was laid off, launch a font. Because this is the rock bottom, right? People expect you to just shut it down and go, like, be down bad. So, whatever you do would be good. And the higher you do, the better story it would be. Right? So, when I talk to friends, they obviously help me understand that, okay, you can now do this and that. You have better time and everything. And I was running my own design agency before I joined Polygon. I was, while I was working with Polygon, called Friends of Design. Right? And uh, I was making money from that while I was making money from salary, similar money. So I was not worried about the money part. The hard worker part was there. But when I talked to the founder also, I figured, you know what? Yeah, this is a decision, nothing personal. They, I, we still talk. We are still talking on Twitter. And I still make fun of <laughs> my colleagues. But it was just that it was a business decision which needs to be done. And I would have survived if it was a different department. Just because I was in a department which was going to get laid off, I got laid off. That was the reason. It was not nothing personal for them, nothing personal for me. So after I understand that, I understand, you know what, yeah, it's fine. If I was a businessman, I would have done the same thing, right? Because I don't have, you don't have a choice. You can't keep everyone happy. You got to make tough decisions. I think in America, people, and I, I don't want to come off and say, I don't want to be very negative about it, but like in America, people are so honestly selfish and they carry themselves as in they are the center of the universe. And, you know, when something happens to them, a lot of the time they, they blame other people, they blame other circumstances. And sometimes that, you know, that's the case. Fine. But 
rarely ever do they blame themselves. But in a lot of these cases, this isn't actually about themselves, and yet they people try to make it about themselves. Uh, and in in that sense, uh, I think you handled it pretty well because you realize that this is a business associated uh, decision. This really wasn't about, and the same thing kind of happened to me too. It was about the department that I was in. Uh, it's not about the individual. Rarely is it actually about the individual, especially for these big tech companies who just throw money around, right? Now they're realizing, oh my God, let's try to catch all the money we just threw out in the air. Um, they need that money. So, okay, so so now let's kind of reconnect it back to building an online presence. So I think that's important because those people who get laid off, a lot of listeners who got, who got laid off or looking for a new job or want to reinvent themselves or just invent themselves the first time online, they need to build a web presence. They need to build a great portfolio. And you just mentioned that you help your teams kind of build their portfolios together quickly and then push them out to other companies to get jobs. Um, so I want to dive into both those topics. So um, we'll start with the social media presence stuff because you've been doing a lot of that. And you mentioned before, early in the podcast, that you need to be sharing. I mean, one way to do it is to share a lot of your work. And another thing to do is uh, share your personality, really let them connect to you. What other things do people need to do to build their web presence? Uh, the third thing would be interacting with other people, like you'd interact with real life. So many people, so I used to do this in the earlier stage, and this was a bigger mistake for me, which I found out, I think, in a month or two, that if I just post and expect people to engage on it, they won't. Because they don't engage with the content, like very less they'll engage in the content because they'll find it interesting. Or they'll engage with people, right? So if I post even a shitty meme, People will still laugh on it. Not because the meme is funny and everything. Because they don't know I post it. And I talk with them regularly. They know my personality. Right? So if you're someone who wants to build online presence, interact with other people. I would say don't even post. Uh, like So my first thing was I used Typefully, which is a scheduling tool to schedule tweets. I used to just have one tweet a day in the starting, which was the scheduled tweet. So that my uh, streak is maintained. Other than that, I used to reply. Just replies. Like my, I had an hour of time in the day where I just used to sit, uh, turn on the feed and every tweet I see, I have to reply. Doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter what it is or not, you have to reply on that. That is not to connect with that person, but that is for to make a habit of saying something and coming up with a reply. It's like doing improv in comedy, right? You see something, you come up with a joke. It becomes a habit kind of thing. Once you do that, then you find the people you want to talk to, not the people you want to work with. Because that's tougher. When you want something from someone, the expectation changes. Because now you have put them on the higher level of things. Now you can talk to them like you talk to your friends. Right? So what you got to do is you got to find people who want to work with, but as friends and you like them. Just interact with them. Don't, like if you'll give someone a higher, higher like if you put them on pedestal on when you're talking to them, they'll feel like it. And that you might not do stuff which you normally do. For example, I do a random lot of GIF memes, right? And that's my habit. Even if I don't know the person, I'll talk to them like they are my oldest friend. Because worst case scenario, they might not like it. They may tell me. But most of the time, so then they, they reply like the same thing. Because they expect social media to be like that. 
next people to you know they are is open with it and they talk to like that so share your work talk to people as much as possible and don't be afraid like that's i think the biggest thing people are very afraid of judgment when it comes to online posting they feel like you know i'm going to post this people might judge me or i'm posting positive things now i post negative things it might not connect with the whole vibe and i'm like you just do random shit uh, nobody cares even with 10k followers nobody cares what i post <laughs> they remember for four days i guess max four days and then they'll forget they'll just move on to something there's so much happening right now that this this instagrammer who does this random shit he goes into public and just i'll lay down here on the road and people will forget me in after five minutes which is real in online too whatever you do people will forget that's how internet works uh they'll get over something new and you'll be down with it so do post and do this so we did you do that to me like again like i didn't know you right but yes i like the whatever you said that i was just replied on that right and that's what i do i'm just, just that... i'm just, just kidding with you i'm just fucking with you <laughs> i might have done that that's why i was like you know what i might well, have well it was done smart that. it was a smart tactic i'm not going to not going to knock it cuz i think it was actually a good idea and i think i should start doing that too i think i started doing that in the beginning and then i stopped but um i found a niche in in the twitter space through framer trying to share some stuff in framer all of a sudden i'm getting 40,000 views per tweet and i'm like what is going on here like i didn't i didn't intend anything this it's, it's actually like what i post is like really bad like from my standards it's like very bad and then i'm like why is this way better than the stuff that i'm really polishing i don't know it's just the twitter algorithm okay so going from there i think the second part is you have to be able to back up your work like your words have to be backed up by your work because if you don't have quality work but you're telling everyone that you're you're doing all these cool things and and whatever they're going to eventually find out that you're a fake And so that's where portfolio comes in, right? So that's the the proof. What do you think needs to be in uh Pascal and I, my co-host who's not here today, uh he has some internet issues in Mexico. They're going through a storm or something. Uh he and I created a portfolio creation course that we taught on Maven and it was great. We tried doing we have a, we have a book about it now. You can download online. Uh what about portfolio creation do you think people need to know when they're doing this because this is now the time to do it you know everyone's looking for a job how do you stand out uh you made me conscious by telling me that you run a course and we wrote a book about portfolios and now asking me a question about portfolio <laughs> <laughs> but well, you know what to... it's we we have our framework you know i've reviewed thousands of portfolios at this point exaggerating a little bit but about a lot you know a couple hundred maybe at least and pascal double triple quadruple whatever i have and you know we just kind of found patterns that we have uh, come across and put that into a, a pdf book and then you know it's available for people to buy and download and it actually is pretty cool i i, I go back through it a lot and i just reread it just because it's easy to yeah. see everything we wrote down but you know everyone has their own framework so like what do you think goes into a portfolio so for portfolio or any kind of design work i i use this framework which is if you have good reference you will have good amazing result and everything starts from that good reference if you pick up a, so there's this uh, saying i guess that if you polish shit all night it would just become shiny shit right it it won't become like 
uh, I don't change to gold. It will be shiny, but still shit, right? So you need to find the good references. That's the thing. So when I work on portfolios, I try to find visual. Again, I come from visual side of things. Like I'm a brand designer. I was a graphic designer before that. So I try to find the references which will work with my personalities because my portfolio is an extender of it. So if I just talk about the visual side of it, I'll try to make it like I'm making my personal brand and try to create graphics according to that. That was the first part. Second part would be what to put into it, right? So that will depend specifically on what kind of job you want. So many people do this mistake that they either put all of their good work there, uh, even if there's different categories and everything, and they just put product design, they'll put brand design and everything. And I'm like, you are looking for a product design role. Only put product design products. Don't put anything else there. Because you're, think from an employer's perspective, right? I have, I have hiring people. Think from that perspective. They are going to seeing multiple uh, portfolios a day. I think I have more than 10, 50, 20 years, something like that, right? They scroll through them. You need to get their attention, like judging the book by its cover kind of thing. So you need to have it make it either different. So if you think you're in an industry where people are making very colorful portfolios, make a white one. Make a minimal one and send that. Try to be different in that. Second thing is they are not going to read your content and go through everything which you've done in portfolio in detail. Not because they don't want to, because they don't have time. They have to hire so many people, so they are going to just skip through it and just keep the main part which will come out, right? So that's, that's why you don't add multiple projects in the first portfolio. You just add the project which you feel is amazing. And even in that, I feel you should have more visuals than copy. Right? You can have a Medium article link to it afterwards in the end that, you know, here's all the process. Here's a video. Better put a video in the website or a link of a video so the person can just go through it. For example, uh, if I talk about portfolio, my 3D books, we made a video for them and I asked them to put it on Twitter. Because I know that okay, if they make a website or a PDF, it's going to take a longer time. You are motion people, do motion. That's your photo. That Because that is also one kind of portfolio. Like you're showing your work while sharing your work. I, as a brand designer, what I would do, I would design my portfolio like a brand. Because that will show a way, okay, this guy can do that. Right. And uh, so these are the simple, I think I just follow these simple things. And the fourth part is I kind of put my social media link there. And the reason for that is because it tells the employer who I am as a person also. So it shows my collaboration, my talking activities and everything to people. Right. So that's important. This is something which I do with port portfolios. That's awesome. Okay, that, that, this has been an awesome episode. This entire episode has been baller. I love this episode because it's actually full of a lot of actionable stuff and it gives you a great story. Um, I want to <laughs> start to wrap up and there's two things that I want to talk about. We have a tradition on this podcast. I don't know if you've listened to it. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. And at the end of the episodes now, we ask the guest, how has the world of design shaped them uh, so for me it has given me empathy like i was already uh, feeling for people but now it has given me this process of thinking oh what will happen so design has helped me becoming a better human in this so that i don't get angry a lot because then when i'm designing a product or a brand i always think okay what the user will be thinking like what he or she is feeling right and now when I'm fighting someone or someone says something, I was like, you know, why did that person do that? What would the reason behind it? 
right so that way i don't get angry a lot cause i'm now more calmer because of this thought process i was think what might be pushing them to do this and that this, this is how our design has been much better now cause now i don't get angry don't uh, easily get uh, like the lay off thing right in the starting i was very heartbroken but then i started thinking of like uh, how do you think in design solving like okay why this happened what would be the reason and everything and then you figure out okay oh, this is why it happens and then you understand the whole thing so this is how it made me better that's awesome that's a great answer uh is there anything you'd like to plug uh yeah i'm starting youtube streaming from this thursday i'm going to like my daughter is going to have the link and uh, i'm going to start a framer so i think your audience would be a good audience i'm still learning framer together on streaming so like i i've been seeing framer a lot uh, from a long time i want to try it i actually tried it but it was very confusing to me just jump on it uh, so what i'm going to do is i'm going to learn online on stream with everyone else doing together so yeah that's something i guess yeah that sounds like fun i'll i'll definitely tune in for that yeah and if you have any questions about framer hit me up by kind yeah, of a framer hopefully, expert here <laughs> yeah hopefully in the end episode we'll have an expert uh, yeah yeah who right? who will tell us how the subset could have been much better if they <laughs> like if we knew some tips but yeah we want to make mistakes and then get you you know what we should do we should do like uh we should bring our work or even like pull up other people's work and like do a breakdown of like what's successful and what's not successful to others so that they can learn how to build better websites on their own we should do something like that and do like a like a panel or something that'd be fun and then i also have one more uh, fun video idea which yeah. i want to do uh, so this one is going to be in hindi so i'm i'm going to obviously going to go with some uh, indian folks here but the idea was webflow versus framer ooh and okay. i know uh, so uh, the nokia agency i was uh, the one of the co-founder is a webflow expert who was one of the first people who brought webflow to india like he he have taught I think more than five thousand people webflow, and he has taught me also. So <laughs> I was like, you know what? I wanted to get on a stream, and then I had no framer expert in India. I was like, who also teaches framer? I was like, I want you both to get on stream, uh, stream, and then do a video about building a similar website in webflow and framer, and then oh, see who does wow. it faster, the pros and cons. Because this is a very big fight right now. People again, designers prefer framer a lot. But people, normal people, are coders are doing webflow. So I wonder who should do that because it's a fun episode to see versus versus. Yeah, you know what? I I don't understand why people are so like they like are so. Um, what's the word? They have like a side that they pick, other than the fact that it's like just what they use. Because so many people can, you know, it doesn't matter if you use Sketch or Figma, or whatever. It doesn't matter if you use Webflow or or, or Framer. But there are so many people have like like anger towards the other tool i don't know why that is no not angers but it's the tribe community right okay, you want a part of a better, community yeah the tri- tribal yeah, so so you just want to get at the framer community because then you can interact more talk with more people get mm-hmm. more framer people right if you it's the same thing right uh, uh what is it yeah uh, if you have seven best friends none of them are best friends right like that that kind of thing and mm-hmm. if you have seven favorite apps None of them are your favorite apps because you have seven. Right? You need to have one. That's the number, right? And so, if you want to make a comedy or a part of something, so a framework person will follow me only if they see framework. If they see webflow, they're like, you know, this guy does everything when it comes to, and they'll just move and leave, right? And that's why people pick uh, tribes where they get Figma because now they have content. They can go pro Figma 
or anything against Figma, they just start fighting. And that's why I wrote this tweet that people are treating softwares like they are in a relationship with them. And they just go so, become so, uh, what was the word, so sensitive about the softwares when people talk about it. I was like, why? It's just a software. Like I use to use Adobe Illustrator, Corel Draw, Figma, Sketch I had my, XD I tried. Work we need to do is a matter of software, but now it becomes a bigger part of a community because tools also connect with people, right? So that's, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Like in three years, who knows? There's be another tool that comes out that does it better. And then we also learn that. And it's a whole big mess uh, all over again. But I'm whatever. waiting for Figma config. If the AI thing comes in Figma itself, because people are saying there's a rumor that it might launch direct websites from Figma. And if it does, Oh, yeah, that would be pretty good. That'd be that'd be great. It's like you know, framework kind of is Figma, but for web, and and hopefully Figma can just go right to web because then why have another tool? Well, they are with Adobe now, and Adobe has a history of doing that, uh, crushing other tools which the same do the same thing. So let's see. Yeah, let's see. All right, cool. Thanks, Rahul. Rahul, right? Did I no, say it right? Both, 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 Yeah, you said it right second time. Yes. Okay, Rahul. Yeah, the confusion actually comes from Mexico, right? Because that's Raul without the H. Ah, okay. And that's cool. where the same name issue is there. But no worries, yeah. I just hate saying somebody's name wrong because then I feel bad about it. And Because I, I was told, I, I think I told it on another podcast before, but when I was in high school or no, I was in middle school, uh, the substitute teacher was calling roll call the names and then they said my name wrong. And so I didn't answer and then they go, did anyone not get called? And I'm like, me, you didn't call me. And she goes, no, I did call you, but it wasn't pronounced correctly. And she's like, don't ever let anyone mispronounce your name. It's your name. It's it's who you are. It's the one thing you have. And I was like, uh, okay. And so now it just kind of stuck with me. But but any, anyways, thank you so much for being on the pod. We'll definitely have to have you again. And maybe we can collaborate or jam on some framer stuff soon. Will do, will do. And thank you for inviting me. It's been a fun morning. And definitely, I'm going to send you some famous stuff now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and send me all the links that you want me to post, and I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, we'll do, we'll do. Thank you. All right. Have a good one.